welcome to Collision Cast, Fenderbender's official podcast, helping collision repair shop operators make money, save money, and work smarter. I'm Paul Hodawanek, staff writer for Fenderbender, and with me today is DJ Mitchell. DJ recently sold his business, Mitchco Collision Repair, to Classic Collision. So in this episode, we go through what being on the acquiring end of a sale is like, the logistics involved, what he needed to provide to Classic, how he broke it to his employees, and and a whole list of other things. I hope you enjoy. Well, DJ, it's 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 good to have you on. Glad to be a part of this. This is my first one uh, chatting with you. Um, so excited to do this. And I think since the last one, the sale was known, maybe all the specifics weren't out there, but you did sell your business. And so you've gone through that process that so many shop owners, I think, are going through, whether either they're selling to a a bigger um, MSO or just some other some other shop, or they're the ones doing the acquiring. So I thought it'd be a good time to meet with you uh, and kind of get some insight on your sale and how what some other what shop owners can take away from that. So yeah, so you sold four locations to Classic uh, last month, and I guess just from the selling process, was that something where you approached them? Did they approach you? Had you had much contact? with the people at Classic? Did you know them beforehand? How did the deal kind of come together in that way? Yeah, so we didn't know, I mean, we knew some people that worked at Classic, but not, you know, because they worked at Classic, we just knew them from being in the business. Um, my dad and I opened those shops over on the East Coast of Florida um, last February, uh, right before, you know, the coronavirus really, you know, you know, started getting, you know, a real big deal. Um, we bought some really nice buildings, um, you know, across the street from a Walmart next to a Tesla dealership, uh, on us one in Melbourne. Um, I mean, just the, the only body shop on an Island. So we we bought some really, really nice places. We put a lot of money into them. We did the offices top notch. We air conditioned the buildings. Uh, we bought uh, a whole lot of expensive equipment. We had no plans whatsoever to sell these shops. We expected to hold on to them for a long time. And we had plans to come over to the west coast of Florida where we live and open some shops under over here as well. Um, and I had gotten married last November. Um, and, uh, you know, being on the other coast uh, two or three days, nights a week, you know, isn't, isn't really feasible for a new marriage. Um, so, you know, we were trying to figure out how can we run these shops without me being there all the time. And we were, you know, trying to find, you know, a good area manager or, you know, try to train the processes so we could monitor them from afar. Um, and out of nowhere, um, classic collision approached us and they said, um, and they wanted to buy us. And we said, well, we're not, we're really not looking to sell the company's too new to sell. Um, you know, there, there's no way you guys will be able to pay us what we need at this point in time. And uh, they said, you know, well, we're really interested in the shops. We'd really like to buy them. You know, we'd, we'd like to sit down and talk. So we met with them um, and uh, sat down, uh, met with them in person one time, had a good conversation. Um, and uh, we were able to put a deal together we closed pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess the rest is history from there. So, you know, to answer your question, I guess in a shorter fashion is 
no, we weren't trying to sell. We didn't really know them, and they they uh, reached out to us. I mean, I mean, they had only you'd only had them for a little bit now, and it's a little different than maybe someone who's had the business for a really long time. But when you're not really in that mentality to sell, and then something comes along, and maybe the money is just there, and you can just business wise, it just makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm sure there's an emotion part to that. Maybe you weren't ready to part with it. What what was that kind of that push and pull like for you, and what ultimately? made you decide, okay, yeah, we, we can do this. And, and I feel comfortable with this. Well, well, emotionally, my dad taught me a long time ago. Um, my dad's always been into real estate. He's had, you know, plenty of shops, um, really nice buildings, really cool houses and just a bunch of neat stuff. And I asked him one day, I said, you know, do you ever get sad when you sell it? Or, you know, are you going to miss this house? Are you going to miss this building or whatever? And he told me that, um, you know, uh, to take the emotion out of it, you know, a, a business, a building, a property, it serves a purpose for you. The purpose is, you know, if you're living in your house, the purpose of the house is to provide you a place to live. If it's a, an investment property, it's for you to make money. So when you sell those places, it does the job that you wanted it to do. And, you know, it kind of ran its full term. So I always try to, you know, not be emotional about the business. You know, of course, I like the business and I care about the business. And but I don't uh, I don't I try not to let emotions get in between something that's going to make money. Because mm-hmm. um, you can always find a reason not to sell um, if you let your emotions take over. And you could also always find a reason to buy if you let your emotions take over. Mm-hmm. So. You know, neither neither one of those is good. So try to keep the emotion out of it. Um, you know, I, we see that a lot with shop owners. You know, I I put my heart and soul in this place. I've been coming here every day at 6 a.m. Haven't taken a day off. You know, this is my pride and joy. This is my baby. And when you do that, you tend to overvalue it. Just because it means so much emotionally to you doesn't mean it's worth as much as you may think that it is. And that puts shop owners in a bad spot because now they want too much for something and they can't always get it. And, you know, we'll see shops that have been for sale forever. Nice place, nice location, nice people. And they never seem to really sell. And and I think that's one of the main reasons is because um, they're probably putting too much emotion into it. Sure. You've been on both sides of it, selling, buying. From a seller's perspective, what things, I mean, I guess this is for advice for if business owners are looking to sell or just a little insight into the process that comes and what's what the seller is ultimately responsible for with the things they have to prepare. Well, give me a rundown of the things that you need to make sure you have in order when when a sale is, is happening, just from a financial standpoint, just from all of that. What... What kind? What do you need to get in order before before that can go through? Well, your, your books have to be clean is the main thing. Um, a lot of times, shops do things that kind of muddy up their books. You know, maybe they do. Maybe you know if they do a they don't they do collision repair, but they may do a restoration every now and then, and you know take cash for it. Or they got some employees they pay cash to, or um, you know they pay their family members. Or, you know, they, they buy uh, 
you know, boats or motorcycles or cars or whatever out of the business. And, you know, if your numbers are not right, then you can't value the business properly. You know, we've, we've bought shops before and, you know, the people will pull out a, a notebook from their desk and they go, these are all the cash jobs I did this year. <laughs> and we're like, well, that's great, man, but it's not on your books. We could have wrote down anything on a piece of paper and said that it was a cash job. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a saying and it's kind of a joke, you know, you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. So, you know, even if you don't want to sell today, I would start trying to clean all that stuff up because you never know when somebody's going to call you. Uh, you never know when uh, a change in your life is going to happen where you may need to sell or want to sell. Um, so it's really hard to go back and clean that stuff up and it can be expensive. You know, if you don't have a CFO and you have a CPA, you know, it can take a lot of time to try to go back and unwind that stuff. So, you know, I would, my, my main piece of advice would be to make sure that your books are clean. Got it. Um, from an employee perspective, not, you know, the financials, and maybe you have some insight, just, you know, you hired a ton of people for this and then shortly after you're selling and I think maybe they thought, okay, we're working for a smaller business owner, we're for a family business, now a larger MSO is coming in, natural concerns can crop up. Um, how do you, how do you kind of approach that? Was it something where you told them early on? When, when did that happen and so, those conversations? How would you approach that? So we get ticked on a little bit, me and my dad, because my dad has had, you know, a company called Master Collision Repair that he sold to Gerber. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, my dad had a company called Dave Mitchell's Collision Center that he sold to Master Collision that he ended up buying back. Um, you know, we had a company called Car Guys Collision Repair that we sold. So we kind of have this reputation where we build them up and somebody buys them from us. Mm -hmm. We've never once sat down in a room and said, okay, let's buy five shops in this area and then sell them. Mm -hmm. We try to buy good shops, run them properly, and get them making money. If you have something that's good and makes money, people want to buy it. It's People don't want to buy shops that don't make money. So if you have a successful shop with good people and good equipment and a, uh, a nice look from the street, people want to buy it. So this last time at, at Mitchco, everybody we hired said, when are you guys going to sell us? Are you going to sell us again? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't yeah. want to be sold. And we try to be honest with everybody. You know, we're not growing this to sell. We have no plans on selling it. Uh, I'm 31. Um, you know, I need a place to work. We've sold the business a few times. I've worked for other people. Uh, I'm much more of a uh, entrepreneur than an employee. So I don't want to work for somebody else. Uh, we had shops in Tampa. We sold those. We had shops in Central Florida. We sold those. Now I'm over here on the East Coast, three hours from home. If I sell these, I'm going to have to go even farther, you know, to work. So we don't have plans on selling them. But if somebody came up to us with the right money and it was the right situation for our family, of course, we would consider selling. And most people can understand that. You know, uh, you know, Paul, you, you did you just start with Fender Bender? I've been here a few months. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're not you're not looking for a job right now, but if somebody called you up and said, Hey Paul, listen, I got this great place with all this money. It's a great opportunity for you and your family. You would consider it because that's just what people do. 
So when we explained it like that, most people understood it. Of course. And I think, you know, I think a lot of family businesses and, you know, long generation businesses during COVID, maybe they saw some numbers start to crunch, saw some realities that they didn't expect uh, to come their way. And that a lot of times maybe that involved selling. And so for them, is, is it just a thing of being upfront with employees then when it does happen, you, you were, you had the ability to kind of be upfront right away with them and let them know. But for someone who doesn't have that, who maybe gets an offer they can't refuse, hasn't really talked to their employees before, how would you advise them to kind of work through that to make sure, you know, I'm. So it's, it's a, it's a hard conversation to have that, but like any hard conversation that anybody ever has, it's harder in your head than it actually is having the conversation. You know, when you, when you ask somebody out for the first time or you break up with somebody for the first time, you know, in your head, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And you find all these reasons not to do it. Then when you finally do it, it's over and it's not that bad. So, you know, my recommendation is, you know, tell people as early as you can. Um, we've bought shops where we walked in and somebody said, what are you doing here? And the owner goes, well, they just bought the shop. Here are the keys. It didn't tell any of their employees. Yeah. Uh, we try to, we've always tried to tell people as soon as we possibly could. So, you know, as soon as we had an agreement in place, um, we told our employees right away. Uh, we, we made a list, you know, these are the, the 25 people or the 20 people we want to call. You know, it may be, you know, the long-term employees, the, the managers, the, um, you know, different people for different reasons. And we split the list up. You know, my dad took some, I took some, and we started calling people. And we just asked them, you know, please don't say anything until, you know, today at five o'clock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at 4.30, we sent an email to the managers to print out and distribute to everybody else. And, uh, you know, then I started taking phone calls from, from the employees we didn't call. Um, but what happens is finding out you're being sold is a shock. So you come in one day, you think you're working for, you know, uh, so-and-so's collision. And by the end of the day, you're working for, you know, Mitchell collision. And you're like, oh, my gosh, who are these people? I don't know what happened. What's going on? Are they going to fire me? Are they going to bring in their own people? You know, are things going to change? What happens on my vacation? Like all those questions happen, right? There's this huge shock. So in our opinion, the earlier you tell them, then the shock kind of wears off. Mm-hmm. So then they can sit and they can, they can say, okay, well, it's so hard to find people. They're probably not going to fire me and replace me with somebody else. So let me cross that off my list. And then they get a set of good questions. And, you know, we try to get, after we tell our employees, we always try to get, you know, them available to talk to the people buying us as quickly as possible. Or when we buy somebody, as soon as they tell their employees, I try to be available as soon as possible. So I'm buying a shop right now. I actually close on it on Monday. Um, it's a it's a mother and father. The, the son and daughter work there and they have three or four employees. And they were worried about telling them and they were asking me about it. And I kind of, you know, the same conversation you and I are having now I had with them. And, uh, you know, that Monday I was there. So, you know, after the employees found out on Friday, they had all weekend to process it. And here I am on Monday available to answer any questions for them. Got it. Well, DJ, I think people are not going to quit. People are not going to quit. People are not going to walk out. Um, 
it's everybody always says that, oh, if they sell, I'm going to quit. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Don't be afraid to tell your employees. It's, it's not going to be that bad. Is it, is it also a situation where you're the seller? Are you kind of trying, I mean, you can't totally get assurances, but are you trying to get assurances from the people that you're buying or that are buying it? Like, okay, I want to make sure my employees are taken care of. Is that a conversation that you're able to have with them? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if anybody believes this when we tell them, but I, I mean this with all of my heart. When we sell the last two times we sold when I was involved with my dad, we thought about every single person and how it was going to affect them. Um, so we always say like, okay, what are you going to do with our people? This person does this, this is, you know, a position that's specific to our company. Do you have something like this? Where will you put this person? Um, and, you know, we try to talk to them about that. Got it. DJ, I think those are all the questions I had for you. I appreciate you joining me today. Um, congrats on the sale. Congrats on this uh, new shop that you just bought. I'm sure I was going to ask you what you were, what you were doing, but I was sure you were going to stay in the business, keep doing, keep buying, keep selling, keep doing your thing. So I appreciate you joining yeah, me. Yeah. So Mike, yeah, yeah. I got, I got two over here on the West coast. Uh, my dad's not involved in these. He's doing some real estate and uh, building some houses with my brother. Um, I got two really nice shops over here. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're close to my home. I plan to keep them for a long time and uh, I think they're going to be very profitable shops. And I got some really, really good people lined up to go work there. Fantastic. Well, I will let you go today. Thanks so much for your time. Yep. Thanks, Paul.